Welcome to the Devils in the Details podcast. I'm Aaron, and I'm joined today and for the rest of the series, I guess, by Case. So, Case, do you want to say hi really quick? Yeah. Hi, everybody. Awesome. Since this is the first episode, maybe we owe you a quick explanation because you've probably not heard that much of us in audio form. Um, we want to make this podcast sort of like a free-flowing space for our thoughts on any and all subjects around United this season. So expect a lot of variation from episode to episode, um, uploads most weeks, some including guests, some looking at key matches, but also maybe episodes that have neither. In terms of today's episode, we're going to be talking about the transfer window for United in the first half and then discussing expectations for the season and a little bit about the Brighton game uh, specifically in the second. So starting with the transfer window, Case, just give me an overview, give me a rating out of 10 for the window so far, and a quick overview of why we think that's the case before maybe we dive into a little bit more detail. Okay, yeah. Um, I think if I had to give a number today, which, what, it's August 3rd? Do I have that right? Today, August 3rd, it's like a 5. Um, and I think... If you if I had to lean like more like a six or more like a four, I'd say more like a four because even though I really like the players we've gotten, um, I think you and I agree that the two biggest needs or maybe the three biggest needs that we had coming into the summer were DM, center forward, center mid. Did we agree on that? I think so. Um, yeah. And we didn't get two of those, and I, it's, it's almost even a stretch to call Erickson a center mid. He is, in my opinion, but other people would tell you he's more of an attacking midfielder. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I can go over a five. <laughs> I think I'd say the exact same thing, five leaning closer to four than six. And I guess my concern with, uh, we'll get a little bit more into maybe what role Erickson's going to play in a little bit, but my main relux- reluctance to call him the central midfielder is more the fact that he's 30 than the fact that I'm not sure what position he's in because United need, I think, a long-term rebuild and Erickson feels like, someone who's going to bridge the gap between who's playing number eight under Solskjaer and who's going to be playing number eight and hopefully a really good team in a couple of years, not the guy who's going to be there when United eventually get there. Um, but before we get more into Ericsson, maybe, uh, let's start with Tyrell Malasia. Um, I think one thing that's nice about these transfers is that they bode well for this podcast because... You watch a ton of Eredivisie, and I know Malasia also signed from your second favorite or maybe first favorite club, I won't make you choose, uh, Feyenoord. Um, I'm yet to watch him play a full match, so explain to me the type of player you think Malasia is and whether you are or aren't excited about this particular signing. Yeah, so I think Malasia is... I, I, I love him as a player. He made huge strides this past season in particular on the mental side of the game um, with help from a new manager at Feyenoord. Um, I think I was a little surprised by it. I, it sort of came out of the blue, in my opinion. I didn't realize he was going to be a target for United. Um, but here we are. Uh, I think he's definitely going to compete with Shaw. I'm not sure he's a better player than Shaw. Um, he's obviously, like, from a stylistic perspective, excellent physically. Uh, like, he's got great top-line pace. He's got good acceleration. He's strong. He's strong in challenges, sometimes a little too strong in challenges. Um, at, from a technical standpoint, he's a good dribbler going forward. He's a good creative passer. Neither are, like, super standout attributes. I don't think anybody's going to be, like, wowed by them, but he definitely has sort of everything you're looking for, 
both physically and technically from a top fullback. So I think he'll get there eventually. Um, and he's really moved, taking big strides, like I mentioned, on the mental side of the game recently. Uh, so it's all there for him to wind up, I think, like a top five left back in the world, maybe even top three. Uh, but he's definitely not there yet. I, I wouldn't even say he was uh, the best left back in the league last season. Um, so it's sort of... I was surprised by it, but I'm excited by it. I'll put it that way. Yeah, that's a good overview. I personally am a big fan of Luke Shaw. I think he's really good. I, I think you share a lot of the reasons why. I think that... I two of the things you stated that immediately jumped out were like he's a pretty good creative passer and creative dribbler and I think Shaw is great in both of those areas like I think in terms of high-end passing there really aren't that many left backs in the game who can pass as well as Shaw but I think probably the main concern around Shaw is whether he can stay fit consistently um last season he missed a lot of minutes Tellez played 22 90s and now Tellez has gone to Sevilla, and I think maybe the fact that he replaces Tellez is perhaps more important than the fact that he comes in as competition to Shaw. What do you think about that? Completely, completely agree. I think I, I'm probably I probably like Tellez less than I less than most people. I think he was awful for United. I think it's a really huge upgrade, even if Malasia plays at like league average levels, which I think he'll very much exceed. I think he's much better than a league average Premier League fullback already. Um, yeah, I just, I think getting Telus out of this side and Malasia in, even if it's not for 2090s, even, it's, even if it's for 1290s this season, is already a big marginal gain. So like that, that's a big win. It, even though I didn't think left back was a priority, it's a big win. Yeah, definitely agree. I think it's going to be interesting to see who starts at left back, but also the fact that slowly, I think it's just really important when you're rebuilding this team to get players who can actually play the game in a possession system at this level at all. Because I think players like Tellez, Wambasaka, um, I mean, Phil Jones and Bai probably a little bit of a different case where they just can't stay fit. But just getting these players who can't consistently provide for the team out of the side and getting into the side players who can consistently deliver in a possession system um even if it's not to the absolute highest level initially i think that's going to be really important going forward and speaking of which christian erickson so this one's pretty interesting because i would have loved to see christian erickson at united about five years ago um and i'm still pretty excited about his arrival but there's some tactical uncertainty around the move i think united already have a very established number 10 in bruno fernandez who just signed a long-term contract. And they also have Donny van de Beek, who was most popularly the number 10 in Eric Ten Hag's Ajax side that made the Champions League semifinals. So there's reason to believe that Ten Hag has a plan for both of them. But could there be something else in mind for Eriksen going forward, do you think? Or do you think he's maybe just a replacement for one of those two? Yeah. I think there has to be something else in mind for him, to be honest. Um... I think Bruno and Donny are both going to play really big roles this season in some capacity. I think Erickson obviously will too. You don't bring him in if he's not going to. Um, and there's no way all three can play a major role playing one position. So I think there has to be – something has to give. Um, my inclination, my suspicion is that he's going to be playing in the pivot at least some 
part of the season. Um, probably not in all fixtures, but a, a decent number. If he got 10 starts there, that would probably be my expectation. Uh, but yeah, it was an interesting one. I really didn't think this was going to happen when it was first rumored. Yeah, I didn't think it would either, and I initially probably wasn't in favor of the move, but I guess looking at the midfield options, I would say one thing for sure is that he immediately raises the technical floor of this midfield by a lot. Um, we were talking before the episode about a little bit about central midfielders and perhaps going into the window thinking United needed two, and yeah, I, I don't think he's necessarily one of those, but in a midfield where perhaps the best technical players last season were Bruno and Fred, maybe like this is a massive upgrade. I'm not no disrespect to Bruno who I think will play a big role and same with Fred, but this is a different type of player for sure. Awesome. Yeah. I, and I also think maybe there's slightly different types of tens. Like you, you go on some kind of a spectrum almost where Erickson's kind of the one who's going to be, more creating with his ball releases, um, a little bit more involved in the tempo of the game. Whereas I think Van de Beek is more of an off-ball mover who links play well between sides. And Fernandes has played an extremely ball-dominant role for United so far, but I almost am not sure that that's the best version of the player he can be. So I'm interested to see if Eriksen could almost bring out a different aspect of his play where maybe Bruno becomes a little bit more of a goal scorer and a little bit, the team is a little bit less reliant on him making those Hollywood passes and creative actions that most of the time lead to losing the ball. I, I totally agree. I think the final form of Bruno in this side, and I think we've started to see it even in preseason matches, is he's going to be tied to the striker higher up on the pitch in the final third and really not just discouraged from dropping deep but almost forbidden from it unless things get really bad because I think especially if you, you see how uh Ten Hag's sides have have played in the in the past you can see that the the attacking midfielder isn't really an attacking midfielder in the way I think British people expect and foreign fans expect them to be they're more like second strikers that changed a little bit last season but uh, yeah, I think there's a good chance we see Bruno take on a different role. And Erickson, in, in turn, taking on the opposite. I guess my last question here is, do you, do you think that kind of opens up a spot for Van de Beek in a way as well? Because having him as a little bit more of that second striker and a little bit less of a, we're going to give you the ball, now make us win games. Do you think that could probably favor his inclusion in the side a little bit more? Because what I've found is the biggest issue with him is he's getting the ball in areas where he doesn't, He's not like he's not bad. He's not bad in possession, but his main impact is usually in the final third around the box and and getting closer to goal and I feel like having a system where the ball gets to him in those advanced areas and picks out his runs could be a little bit more important. And that's also why you might see Eriksen play deeper despite maybe him having fewer like having less career history in that area of the pitch. Yeah. Definitely I definitely think so. I I do think it we saw in preseason sort of the, the, the groundwork for that. Even if he's not playing as the, the 10, whatever that means, um, McTominay was getting way higher up the pitch than he had consistently in previous seasons. You saw flashes of it, especially in mat matches where there was a lot of man marking. McTominay would get higher up the pitch. But 
when we were sort of our default setup this preseason has been the two center backs with Fred dropping between them and then the oh Fred was the one dropping between sorry I missed these games so so was it actually Fred as the deepest of the three typically yes uh, I don't know whether that's the plan going forward but there was one one of the pivot players usually Fred was dropping deeper uh, sometimes it was Garner but those were in different matches usually when they weren't playing together uh, and then the other pivot player was sort of the in-betweener. He wasn't so much a part of the forward line, but he definitely wasn't a part of the back line. And that's where McTominay was. And there were, I think, t- two or three matches where uh, Donnie got subbed in for McTominay. And it, by my watching, way outplayed him in the same role. So I think there's a good chance we see a lot of that. And that, that's also something Donnie has put a huge emphasis on when he's interviewed, is he thinks he can play 6-8-10, which I don't know how true that is especially with regard to six, but I definitely think he can play as an eight better than the eights we've been using. So, yeah, I think there's a potential for it. That's really interesting. So I, after the end of last season, I kind of vowed to myself that I wouldn't watch preseason and I would give myself the time and space I needed from this team. But I think I ended up going back to watch the Rayo game because I wanted to see how Erickson and the next player we'll get on to fit into the side. And the game... Uh, against Rayo, it was Erickson, Garner, and Van de Beek as a midfield three. And Garner was the deepest of the three. So out of possession, Van de Beek would drop into the pivot and basically do the defensive work. And then in possession, um, Van de Beek would move up and then Erickson would come a little bit deeper to form a three. And then what would happen in the three is that if the right back or the right center back were on the ball, the right-sided central midfielder being Erickson would drop sort of to receive and Van de Beek would run forward. So what it essentially allowed him to do was Van de Beek out of possession played the role where he's doing the groundwork for Ericsson defensively, and then in possession, they're basically side-by-side as opposed to being one pivot and one ten. So I didn't realize that in the other matches, the the person playing the Garner role was actually Fred. I kind of assumed it would be McTominay. But if it's Fred, I definitely think you're likely to see Fred... Erickson and then Van de Baker Bruno as the sort of runner in the midfield three. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be, that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting to see how all those dynamics play out in competitive matches. Um, yeah. I'm excited to see who who's in the starting eleven this weekend. We'll get on to that in the second half a little bit. But another another player who started in the Rayo match was Lisandro, and I mean I'm super excited about his signing, and I've probably watched him play about. A dozen times like you've definitely seen him play way more than I have and he's just so so good on the ball I don't even think United particularly needed a center back but the aggression the profile he brings and his ability to do the things that we were expecting midfielders to come in and do kind of alleviates a lot of weaknesses that we saw on the side last season um I don't really want to talk about his height but yeah, what like how good do you think Lisandro could be in the Premier League? I think I honestly think he already joins as one of the higher end defenders in this division. My expectation is that he's our best defender next season. Um, like I agree with you, we didn't need a center back, but if I were writing right now, that need would be like in quotes in bold because I think he makes a huge difference even though is not in the highest impact position. Um, 
we our build-up structure has been broken for a long, long time. Even when we're playing well, we usually can't play out of a press. We've seen this exploited. I think we one particular match I can remember, and there have been plenty, but uh, the FA Cup semi-final two years ago against Chelsea uh, is a great example of where we just couldn't work out of pressure and is a game where I think Lisandro would have made it like a huge difference uh, because he comes in, he's immediately the best passer we have in, the, in our back four. He's immediately, in my opinion, the best defender on the ground. And honestly, I don't think it's that close. And... Also, he's left-footed, which provides a whole new set of angles. I personally don't think it matters as much as other people do, but I still think it does matter to a certain extent, especially if you're going to play in a possession-based system, which we are, it looks like. Um, so yeah, I think he's the best footballer we signed this summer. I'm pretty excited about it, even though if you told me before the summer that was going to be our biggest signing, I would have been concerned. Yeah, I pretty much agree. I think... Looking at sort of a lot of passing patterns in Maguire's game, I think you can see a lot of like launch balls over to both flanks. But what tends to happen is, I don't particularly think this is like a huge issue, but when you have a left-footed center back, it is way easier to play those sort of lateral passes into the left back because it's harder for forwards, opposition forwards who are good at pressing to cut them out. And I think because of that, you saw a lot less passes from Maguire directly to Shaw like straight out of receiving he would either take a few touches and release or he would open up and pass to the right back or he would go long over the top so I think having having Lissandro at the back kind of opens up a lot of options and I also think looking back Lindelof's game is quite safe in possession so it's it's a huge upgrade I, I'm pretty sure Lindelof won't be starting um, watching the Rayo game i thought Varane had so many issues in possession like he's just he's not in he's not unlike he can pass with both feet and he can get it sideways to his man but he's really reluctant to play the ball forward and he's also pretty uncomfortable when the ball's behind him and I think sort of as the game's evolved into having goalkeepers being more involved in, in build-up that's a weakness that's become a lot more prominent and maybe that's why Varane was considered one of the absolute best defenders in the world a couple of years ago and maybe under less progressive Real Madrid coaches but he's being found out a little bit in like a more intense pressing league and in a more intense coaching setup and I think because of that Maguire's most likely to be Lisandro's main partner and maybe benefit a little bit from playing on the right would you agree with that and honestly Maguire's faced a lot of criticism would you back him to kind of have a bit of a revival year because I think we both agreed he wasn't as bad as everyone said he was and we both agree he's a good player but he didn't have the best year last year and he made a lot of unforced errors I think yeah I mean I think he was objectively poor last season not like the worst defender in the league poor the way I think a lot of people would have you believe but he's definitely poor I don't see any outcome where he isn't better than he was last season because we've seen him be a very good Premier League center back um, as to whether he should start next to Martinez, I think probably. I, I think also playing on the right opens up some possibilities with his passing range. Like, you're right, he is pretty good at spraying the ball to the flanks. I think playing diagonal, diagonals from right center back to the left, uh, the left wing as a right-footed center back is a lot more valuable than playing diagonals as a right-footed center back from the left to the right or to the left. So 
that I think is like a really small marginal uh, plus. Um, I agree, he's a better ball player than Varane. I'm, I still think Varane will, will ultimately play better than he played last season. I know, I've seen him play way better than that. I don't think that's just disappeared. Uh, as for whether he's a good progressive passer, yeah, it's weird how bad he seems to be at it and how uncomfortable he can look at times. Um, but he is really two-footed, as you mentioned. I think he's playable, and I think he's a good defender from a, a defending perspective. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I, I don't see any outcome where he's not better than he was last season. It's just a question of whether he can get his confidence back, because that, that'll be the difference between whether he's a plus for this team or whether he's just a whatever. You know what I mean? He's on massive wages as well. And I think another thing with Varane is like his injuries kind of disrupt his flow. I think he's one of those players that, and especially with more traditional defenders, I think you kind of get into, I have to believe you get into kind of a flow of things. And every time he gets injured, he has to do that rehabilitation process and get back into the first team. And maybe playing him once a week or playing him once every three games is a good way to get the best out of him. And I think especially if United go deeper in Europe and maybe in some tougher Premier League games, that's when you'll see Varane might be useful um, in in maybe setups where you need more defensive stability. It's hard because United will want to build from the back in those games and then you want the best players you're going to build. But it's good to have those different options, I guess. And yeah, I think, I think United are actually looking pretty good at center back going into next season, which is nice. Um, we're a bit low on time for the first part, but I wanted to talk about potential incomings and we both kind of said United were at a four to five maybe for the season on the transfer window um so we have to give some suggestions for how they can be sort of a seven or an eight so I think for me one signing that would take it straight from a four or five to a close to seven would be Frankie I'm not convinced it's going to happen and I'm a huge fan of Frankie and I know you're an even bigger fan um it seems like we've been talking about defensive midfield for as long as I've been alive. Um, yeah. And talking about it, I don't think Frankie's the player I would have name-dropped initially to be a solution. One, because I didn't really think he'd ever become available. And two, because I don't necessarily see him as an orthodox defensive midfielder. But as far as Ten Hag's system goes, he plays as the deepest midfielder. And he played as the deepest midfielder in possession for his Ajax side. So, yeah, how important do you think it is that this deal gets over the line? Do you think it gets over the line? And, I mean, who else could United go for if it doesn't pan out? Yeah, so we talked about this at length before we even started recording today. Um, I think ultimately the difference between getting Frankie and not getting Frankie is probably like a six-point-plus difference in the league, which based on how I view the sides close to us, is probably the difference between sixth place and fourth place. Um, so I think it's huge whether they get him or not. Um, I think it's a... L- I'll be interested to see how he performs as the deepest midfielder in, in the Premier League. I think he can be successful specifically because of the management that we have. Um, and I th- That might seem like really shallow analysis, but we've seen him do it at, at the highest level. Um, it's just a matter of having the structures around him to make it work. Uh, so we'll see. Or maybe we won't see. Maybe it won't happen and we won't see. As for alternatives, this is the hard question, right? Because there's, there's a reason 
that they've been obsessing over him all summer, and that's because he's kind of hard to... There aren't available talents that can imitate what he can do in for, in the first phase of build-up. Um, so I don't, I don't really know where what direction you go. You can go for somebody like Sangare, who, like, we talked about this earlier, he can play the defensive side of the game really well. He's good in possession, not great. Um, like, that, that would be a huge upgrade in our midfield, but it's definitely not going to be even an approximation of what Frankie can do. Or you can go in a different direction. You can try to get something resembling his ability in possession with Fabian. But then you miss out. He probably doesn't have anywhere near the athleticism that Frankie does. So creating a functional midfield with all the attributes that Frankie has without having Frankie is a really hard thing to do. Yeah, I pretty much agree. I think in terms of Frankie in the Premier League, I honestly think he'd be sensational. I don't have any concerns. Like, I th- mean in that specific role in the de- as the deepest midfielder. Well, I think in possession, he's such an athletic player and such a multifaceted progressor that like it's just so hard to defend against players like that. Um, I've like players with physicality um and and he he's a great athlete like players with that level of physicality who can also pick out a great pass and also carry and dribble um and also have very high game iq and build up are pretty much non-existent like there's not that many in the game um i think maybe my bigger concern with frankie in that role would be defending transitions in in combination with the other midfielders that united currently have um Fred is probably the best defensive emphasis on the word defensive midfielder United have, um, or rather the best midfielder United have defensively. And he tends to dive in and transitions. And I think he'll get better under a better coach, but like, I'm not sure how I feel about a Frankie and Fred midfield with someone like Bruno or Erickson as the third out of possession. Um, but in possession, I think he'd be great. And I think that's the biggest change United need right now. Um, other than De Jong, yeah, I don't know. I would like to see United get a defensive midfielder on the cheap if they can't get anyone else this summer. Like, I just don't think you can go another season without having someone to play in this position. Um, Florian Grilich is still available on a free, which I think could be interesting. Like, I think there are limitations in his game that prevent him from maybe being, like, a starter DM at, like, an absolute top club. But I think United's current options are some way off starter dm at even a mid-table premier league club they're either not that position youth players or not that good so basically a nightmare if mcfred is still starting in september i think that's like a really really ridiculous outcome for this summer if that happens yeah i think i honestly could see it like and i don't like situational analysis but i could totally see it being like we can run with fred and then we were talking about Ericsson and then one of Bruno or Van de Beek and then getting absolutely crushed by Liverpool right before the window closes and being like, oh, we can't buy anyone. So we're going to have to start playing McTominay every game. And I just, yeah, I don't think it's going to work out over the course of a season. And I think that's pretty much sentencing yourself to getting sixth in the Premier League because other teams in the big in the top six now, they just don't have that kind of weakness. Um, really quickly... The forward line's also looking weak. I think we're both hoping Ronaldo leaves at this point, but probably in agreement that that leaves a hole that needs to be filled. Um, Pogba and Cavani are gone, which is also a huge annoyance. Like I think Pogba at left wing would have been a pretty big 
not sure he would have played there, but I think it would have been a pretty big thing to have at least in the coming season. And Cavani only gives you like 10 90s, but they're 10 pretty good 90s. So yeah, how can United turn Sancho and a bunch of players who are either in a career crisis or under 20 into a functioning attack? Give me like, if you okay, if you could only sign one attacker, because I think we, I think striker and wing are both important. Ronaldo's gone. You can only sign one attacker. Which position do you choose, and who would you look at? I definitely pick striker. Um, I think you can make it work with the wide options you have. I think Sancho is in for like a career year, at least in the Premier League. He, I, he will not yes. play worse than he did last year. I'm, I'm very confident he's going to be good. Um, Rashford, you hope he can figure something out. I'm not holding my breath. A lot of people are optimistic. We'll see. We'll see. I think you can get something out of him. And then, as for the other options, Ilanga and Ahmad, I think you can get something. Um, as center forward, I have basically no faith left in Martial. I'm, I've been pretty vocal about that for like two years now. Um, I will be really surprised if he can hit more than like 10 goals, 12 goals this season. I'm not going to say that because he's that kind of finisher, but I, I, I agree with the premise. Like, he has the capacity to do it but even in the year that he did do it I think his goal score movement was pretty lackluster and it didn't really spell good things for the attack as a whole so I think you need to replace him um, or at least bring in competition that can sort of act as a different kind of striker if I could pick anyone and now I'm rambling and we're gonna run over time but if I could pick anyone it would be a Simon a Simon isn't realistic if I have to pick somebody realistic I'm really not sure. We're linked to Sheshko. I don't think it makes sense at the price. Yeah, that's all I have. <laughs> I think my my sort of solution on this Sheshko conundrum is get Sheshko and then get Memphis Depay on a free um, so that you have the sort of player you can rely on for solid output and then the player who's talented and you can test. Um, and I would have said the same about Brian Brobby before he went back to Ajax and I thought the... 15 million was a lot more reasonable to pay than the fees we're seeing for Sheshko. Um, I agree pretty much on your assessments of the other attackers. I think Ilanga and Ahmad bring a level of defensive sort of competency that maybe Rashford hasn't had of, of late, which might be of value if Rashford's not hitting form. I don't think it's a crisis if you're playing one of them with Sancho as the wingers, but... I do think this attack will be short of goals unless Martial goes on some finishing purple patch, which is just not the situation you want to be in right now. So I think I'd pick Stryker as well. Um, I would have liked Skamaka a week ago, but that's gone. And I, I yeah, I don't know who else is available either. Um, I guess cheap Jonathan David is the only other striker on the market right now, and I'm not, like, I mean, obviously big fan of him because he's Canadian, but I'm not convinced he's the right type of player or a long-term starter for this team so the fee would have to be like pretty reasonable for that and other than that i don't i don't even know who's out there it's mostly just players who have either barely played or are in the later stages of their careers like jamie vardy or something like that which i'm not really interested in options are gone like the like the perp like the really good fits are gone i should say yeah, it was just Camacho. I think it was just Camacho at, at, at the end of the day. So I think that's I think that's all for part one. So we're gonna take a short break and we'll be back to talk a little bit about a little bit more about the players who are here and a little bit about Brighton and what we expect to see in that game.
All right, welcome back. We discussed the summer window in detail. Um, so now let's discuss the upcoming season and what's already at the club. So we'll get on to Brighton in a bit, but I want to discuss United as a whole first because this is the first episode. Um, United finished sixth last season, and we've talked about the transfer window a lot. I still think they're the sixth best team in the league. Do you think anything's happened in the summer that could change your mind? Um, no, but I think the gap has closed significantly from what it was. I think we finished 11 points off of Arsenal, if I have that right. Was it? Well, I think there was a lot of match throwing towards the end of the season, but yeah. Sure. Um, I, sort of my point is we're not 11 points worse than Arsenal are over the course of a season. I think we're probably, and I alluded to this earlier, my guess is we're going to be within six points of the top four at the end of the season. I still think we're the sixth best team right now, but I would not at all be surprised if we sneak in, just because I think it's close. Yeah, I don't think the gap with Arsenal is big. I think maybe the gap between fourth and fifth is growing a little bit. Um, Spurs look great. I think a lot of players at Spurs are lining up career years. Like, I'm looking at it, and Richarlison, Kulusevski, Basuma, Perisic, Matt Doherty... Romero, maybe even guys like Longley, they're all going to be better than they were for pretty much all we've seen of them, either if they had a high reputation, the better than we've seen them in the Premier League, and if they didn't have a high reputation, better than we've seen them in the past. So I think they're looking really strong, and, and Conte is obviously great. Um, and Chelsea, I don't really like their signings, but one thing the signings do is like really raise their profile in the short term. I don't think you can just go and look at a team that got Koulibaly and Sterling and now oh, uh, Brighton's apparently briefed that it's false, but they look like they'll be getting some kind of wing back. Um, and they already had a strong squad and have pretty much kept most of the players except for Rudiger who, have, who got them there. So I think there's a pretty big gap between those guys and Arsenal now, but I don't think we're that far off Arsenal. Um, probably have more weaknesses, but more top-end talent, I think. Um, awesome. Okay, so let's do it this way. We've got probably about 10 minutes. Um, I want to walk through the starting at, starting 11 in each position. Um, the likely 11 for the season and the likely 11 for Brighton. So basically, we'll start with Brighton and look at like maybe what we expect to change over time. Um, and I'm guessing we'll be vastly wrong, but I'm hoping it'll open up some good conversation. So... In goal, I'm pretty sure it's going to be De Gea. I don't think there's going to be any change there. Um, do you think he might get... Do, I'm hoping he doesn't get an extension, but I think he might get an extension. Who knows? I, I think it's obviously going to be De Gea all season. I don't think he'll get an extension, but maybe that's me being hopeful. Hopeful. Um, but, yeah, I think I think no extension, but 38 games started in the league. Yeah, well, hopefully, actually, based on the other goalkeepers available, because... I don't think I think Tom Heaton has all the same weaknesses and like none of the strengths. <laughs> um, okay, fullbacks. I I think Dalo's up for a good season. I think a lot of people are underrating him a lot. Um, he was really helpful in build up last season and in progression. And I mean, obviously the team's bad in build up, but um, it wasn't just the fact that he's playing over Wan Bissaka. Like I think he's a good passer. I think he's a good carrier. He's not an outstandingly fast player, but I think he's a pretty good athlete. Um, my main concern with him is, honestly, he's not great defensively, but I don't really care. Um, I'm more kind of interested in the final third. I think he needs to become better at overlapping. 
Um, one thing I noticed about Ten Hag's Ajax is like the fullbacks do everything. They don't just invert. Like they're expected to provide the width when the wingers cut inside or come inside. They're expected to join the midfield. I they don't join the center backs that often, but inverting into the midfield in my opinion could be harder than joining the center backs and then overlapping and getting in crosses and also being quite good in terms of ground coverage and positioning. So I think he has to improve on the overlapping side, but I think he'll be a pretty big strength on the inversion side. Agree on all of that. Um, I think his definitely his limitations are much bigger. Like the, the criticisms of him defensively, I think have hold much more water than the criticisms of him, criticisms of him going forward. He didn't have, I don't think, I think he had one assist last season. Which is a problem. Like that can't happen again this season. But I think all the technical foundations are there for him to better it. And I also think we saw in preseason that there's signs that he's going to be able to. Um, there were some really nice cutback opportunities he fashioned for himself. He hit a beautiful weak-footed cross. I think it was first time, or maybe on this, his second touch, or for opening goal of preseason. Um, and and then yeah, I agree. He looked really good as an inverted fullback in the moments that he came inside uh, when we were building up this season. I have a lot of faith in him. Maybe it'll be misplaced. I've expected a lot of him in the past, and he hasn't necessarily delivered. But I'd say I'm not that worried about him being our starting fullback coming into the season. Yeah, I guess the more interesting discussion is who takes the second slot. So obviously, I'd, I'd totally be happy with a signing here like someone like Kyle Walker Peters is the only one who's been linked and I think that would be great he's so good I think that'd be really good but as it stands that's probably not happening um do you think Ethan Laird takes the backup slot then um it looks like he's gonna go on loan but Wambasaka has been pretty much exiled from the team so who's gonna be the backup there I I suspect that we're there's still a chance we're gonna get another right back um, but if we do, I think the plan will probably be for be the plan will be for that right back to be the starter and for Dallow to be second choice. Um, yeah. In which case, I'd be really happy with our right back situation. As it stands, I think Laird's definitely going on loan. I think Wambasaka is definitely still going to be the backup. Unfortunately, I don't think he really belongs in this team. But that's just how it's going to be. Hopefully, he doesn't have to play often. Um, and if, if when he does play, hopefully he plays well. I, I don't have a lot of faith, but uh, yeah. Do you think someone like Lindelof could be a better backup than Wambasaka? <laughs> I don't. I think Lindelof. I don't think he has any of the, the the anything that you want from a fullback. I'd rather see McTominay try it before I see Lindelof try it. That's interesting. I my issue with Lindelof is I don't think he's bad technically, whereas Wambasaka is. But I he's a bit too safe, so you don't really get to reap the rewards of of benching someone like Wambasaka, who's probably more athletic. So, yeah, I don't know. Kind of lacks the ball-carrying ability. And, like, fullbacks get isolated too often to not be able to beat a man. And I'll say this for Wamasaka: He's not a very productive dribbler, but he does dribble a lot. And he can get himself out of tight spots, um, which Lindelof yeah. can't do. I don't think Lindelof's as good of a, as a 1v1 defender as he is. And I, I don't think he's necessarily going to be an upgrade in the final third or necessarily even in build-up. We saw how he played against Atleti. That was terrible. So... Pretty much agree on all fronts, yeah. And as it stands, I would hope that they let Laird stay. He was pretty good against Rayo, for what it's worth. Yeah. Um, 
All right. I'm pretty sure we've we've discussed left back in quite a bit of detail, so I'm going to skip that. I think the sort of consensus is that Shaw is the starter for now, but pending fitness and probably form, Malasia could take over. Um, center backs, we discussed Lisandro and Maguire. Do you think that'll be the partnership on uh, against Brighton? Because they haven't played together yet, and Lisandro played his first 70 minutes against Rayo. Perhaps getting subs suggests that he's going to start, but I'm not fully sure. Maybe. I, I think... If you made me guess, I'd say it's either going to be Maguire, Lissandro, or Maguire, Varane, assuming Varane is fit, which I, I think he picked up a knock, didn't he? Probably. I don't know. Now, maybe, maybe, maybe I've got that wrong, but I have it in my head that he he missed his last start because he had a knock. But anyway. No, he played against Rayo, actually. but And I think he played the full 90. I don't know if he got a knock at the end. I can't remember. No, I think that the knock was... For, I think he was supposed to start the match the day before... Got it. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm more asking because I put Lissandro in my fantasy team because he's cheap. But yeah, I hope he starts. I would really like to see that. And I think Brighton are the type of team that you probably want to try and have someone good on the ball against. So I agree. You want Lissandro in that game. But we got smoked twice last year by Brighton. The scoreline doesn't show it from the first match. But like that'll be a big thing I'm looking at this season is are our performances significantly better against sides like Brighton? And Brighton's almost like the archetype for it. Like really attractive football, uh, a strong press, but solidly mid-table talent-wise, we should be able to beat those teams. I agree. And beat them by outplaying them, not beat them by sort of I think it, it, it kind of got brushed under the under the rug for a couple of years there because United would blitz these teams in transition, like absolutely kill them on the counter. Um, Leeds, Brighton, um, I don't know, Crystal Palace last season was another one. Uh, We've always gotten lucky with Brighton since they've come up. Yeah, well, everyone gets lucky. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Is it luck? Who knows? But yeah, we, we give up t- tons of chances to them and they just haven't put them away. We have not deserved to collect as many points as we have, and we should be collecting more points than we have. So, Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that, and I think part of the key is being able to build and press at the same pace as them because they are, they are really good. Um, in terms of midfield, so we've talked about this a little bit. Do you actually think it'll be Fred and then two of the more attacking guys? Yeah, I... If you made me guess what the the lineup is this weekend, I'd say it'll be Fred, McTominay, Bruno again, which okay. is deeply unfortunate. But I think going forward, I think McTominay gets gets forced out by somebody. Um, yeah. Interesting. Okay. If, if let's say you get Frankie or another player to play in that sixth slot, do you think Fred is maybe the player who forces McTominay out? Potentially, yeah. Um, that that's an interesting question because we really won't have any like reference point of of players switching roles within the midfield. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting thought. I, I I hope so. I think that would probably be our strongest like match to match or fixture proof midfield. Yes, yeah, that's what I'd say as well. Because I think what we saw from Fred in the second half of last season is probably closer to the player he is. A little bit more of that like. I don't really picture him as a six. He's he's really more of like an advanced eight, not even just an eight. 
where he is mainly strong defensively, but the defensive strengths lie in putting teams on the back foot, which usually sees him playing quite high up the pitch. And I also think he can score and, and get assists from there as well. So I would be interested to see if he ends up playing a little bit higher up um, in the event that a defensive midfielder joins. But for this weekend, I think I'd be happy with Fred, Bruno, and I would love to see Erickson or Donny, but I, I also think it'll be McTominay. Um, and then the front three, I I guess the big elephant in the room is Ronaldo. I honestly don't particularly want to talk about Ronaldo. Um, so I'll give you the platform here to say anything about Ronaldo that you want to say or tell me that Martial is going to start despite not particularly wanting him to. I think Ronaldo will be here this weekend. I don't think he'll start. Oh, do you think he'll get dropped or do you think he won't be fit? Or do you think it'll be he'll drop and he's not fit and everyone's listening on audio so i'm holding up quotation signs yeah um i think he'll be fit like actually i think he will be factually fit whether that's the the line that the club chooses i'm not sure there's the whole disciplinary thing with him leaving uh the match against rio early maybe that'll be their pretense i think honestly my guess is he'll sit he'll be sitting on the bench and they'll say he's not fit um, but yeah, he didn't for, for what it's worth. I mean, he's not particularly technically clean anymore when he looks fit, but he didn't look fit against Rayo. Like I, I would say he kind of struggled to do things that even I would expect him to have done last season. So yeah, he, he, he's not 100% and that was his first start as far as I'm aware. So, and he, and he didn't play like he played 45 minutes, um, on the wings. I assume it's going to be. I haven't actually, like I said, I haven't watched preseason, and in the game I watched, it was it was Garnacho and Chong. I'm pretty sure neither of them are going to start. Um, I'm especially sure Chong's not going to start. But if I, I I heard it's been Sancho on the right and Rashford on the left, is that what you're expecting? Yeah, I think this is definitely going to be Sancho, Martial, San, uh, from left to right, Rashford, Martial, Sancho. Okay, and do you think that's like the best front three? Yeah. I guess so. Um, I'm not like super enthusiastic about it. I get why some people are because the vibes are good. Um, but I, I don't have a lot of faith that there's enough goals in there. Um, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd really like to see us upgrade, but looks like this is what we're going to roll with. Uh, and those are the only three senior forwards that we have if Ronaldo leaves because along is sort of in between. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I think it's technically cleaner than some of the forward lines you've seen over the past few years, which is another reason why people are excited. They see what the players can do on the ball. Like, I think Ronaldo, Dan James, and, like, Elanga being in the front three at varying times in the last few seasons has kind of made people a little bit cynical towards attackers who can't execute on the ball. And uh, frustrated by when he yeah. wasn't scoring goals, which... I'm not sure it's really founded on the right ideas, it's, but that yeah, it feeds into your what you're saying. It's cyclical, right? It, with players like Alanga, it's if you don't create for him, he's not going to be good. But then if you don't play him, who are you going to create for? So it's like even though a lot of their performance is dependent on other players creating for them, you have to play them anyways and take the hit on the fact that maybe Martial will complete more passes and have more on-ball involvement than Cavani or Elanga, but 
he probably will have fewer chances at goal. And maybe maybe that's a generous appraisal of young Elanga, but I I think the the logic is that you can't it's not just about in possession impact. Um but I do think I do think on the whole, like having three players who can pass the ball around a little bit is to some extent beneficial. Um I think yeah, like I, I think Bruno can provide goals as well. I don't think it's going to be a case where like the team goes on long goal droughts, but I do think it's going to be like comparing to other top attacks in this league, it's going to fall short by quite a bit. And even teams like West Ham where they've got like two or three players who can really fashion high quality shots in that system whereas United don't have any, I don't think. Yeah, I think basically this isn't I don't know where we would put this even today, but I think this season will rise and fall on how well we can sort the press. And that has to do with A, how well we perform defensively, but also B, how many really like how how often we can win the ball up high and create transition opportunities because we can't I don't think there's the talent in that front three. Um like the, the, the real-time talent, I'm not talking about whatever potential you want to say these guys have or had to score, like to make this team like an 80-goal team. I think at best, it's like a 70-goal team right now. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put a lot of money on 80-plus in the league. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think 80 in all comps is a good bet because the Europa League is a... The Europa League will score like 30, but... Anyway, um, I think, yeah, that's probably, we're both in alignment then. De Gea, Dalo, Maguire, Lisandro, Shaw, or it might be Malasia this week. And then Fred, Bruno, McTominay, but we both like Van de Beek or Eriksen. And then Rashford, Sancho, Martial. Awesome. Okay, let's talk a little bit about Brighton before we wrap up then. Um, last season's second last game was a 4-0 loss at the Amex, and I think we're both a fan of Brighton's style of play, a lot of their players. Um, I, if Ten Hag didn't work out, I honestly would have turned to Graham Potter as my favorite to, uh, to replace Solskjaer and Ragnick at United. Like, I think he's a great coach, and I think he's gonna be one of the sort of top European coaches in, in time. But... Have they done enough in the summer window to build upon finishing ninth last season? I think their main weaknesses were sort of in attack, and I'm not sure they've addressed that. Yeah, I, I don't think they've gotten better. I think Potter sort of gives them a floor where I don't, I don't even think there's, I don't see there, there being a chance of them even dropping as low as 16th like they were the season before. But my guess is they're somewhere in like that 13 to 15 range this season. Even though I expect them to play attractive football. Um, Seems like some key losses and not a lot of key incomings to me. Yeah, I'm a bit higher on them than that. Like, I think there, I think there are other teams in the league that are worse. Basically, like the there's outside the big six, you sort of have like the teams that have money, and then the teams that have really good coaches, and then the teams that either misuse their money or just got promoted or have bad coaching. So it's like you have West Ham, Villa, Newcastle, who are probably likely to be up there somewhere, and Leicester. And then you have Brighton, Palace, sort of Brentford. 
Palace is a good example, though. I think Palace has way more talent than Brighton has. I think Palace is better. I think Palace is better, but I think teams like Leicester are in disarray a little bit. Um, and I don't think Brentford and Southampton have, like, a ton of talent. And Everton look really bad. I'm sure we'll have the opportunity to talk about all of these teams as the yeah. season progresses, but uh, Southampton summer has been weird. Really weird. But, yeah. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I like Ralph, so I think they have a good chance, but... I don't. I I've thought their squad was relegation level for a few seasons now. But anyway, side note aside, uh, let's talk a little bit about some Brighton activity then. Uh, Mark Kukurea. I I'd say he was probably Brighton's best player last season. I think he's awesome. Um, he's been linked with huge money moves to City and Chelsea. Do you think he's suited to either? I there was a brief sort of announcement today that he's going to Chelsea, and then Colwell is going to Brighton and. A coup for Brighton, I think. I've not seen Caldwell, but everyone I respect seems to love Caldwell. Yeah. I'm, yeah, so I haven't seen a ton of him. I think I've maybe seen him play twice. But exactly what you said, everyone I respect seems to think that he's as good or better than some of the, the, center, back, the center backs that Chelsea's academy have popped out the last few years. Who have been incredible. Who have wound up being incredible when they get to play senior football. Like, Mark Gay is amazing. <laughs> exactly, and Tamori has been phenomenal for AC Milan. Um, yeah, I, I think if Colwell winds up anywhere near those guys and Brighton get 50 million, that's an insane deal to me. Like, I think Kukurea is a really good footballer. I don't think he's worth that fee, and I certainly don't think he's worth that fee plus Colwell. I agree with that for the most part. I also think my main concern with the Chelsea move is that... They don't. I don't really see why they need him. Like, I think. I think they need someone who can help. Yeah. Well, I guess my issue is they have problems with Chilwell's fitness. I think there are some suggestions that he's also adept signing at center back, but I don't really. I I think you best use Kukurea in a in a back five because of his athleticism. Um. I. I guess my concern is. If you're going to spend 50 million on a left wing back who might not start, I I mean I think he might be better than Chilwell, but let's say you're going to spend 50 million on a left back who might not start, I would get someone like Walker Peters to not to name drop him again because he could play on both flanks because I think you have a problem if Reese James is out and I think you have a problem if Alonzo uh, sorry, uh Chilwell's out. And not to mention I think Barcelona want both of the backups. So I would have expected them to go with either someone who could play both wingbacks or just another center back. Like they missed out on Jules Kunde. So I would expect them to get another center. And like apparently they want Fofana, but anyway. Yeah, I think long story short, I just, with City, I would have had a really clear idea of how he fit in. He's the overlapping fullback who's going to aggressively overlap and, and cover the entire flank to allow Grealish to draw men and, release others um whereas Cancel is the inverted but at Chelsea I don't really have a clear idea of how he fits in yeah I, I agree with all of that sounds like we're agreeing on most things today but <laughs> hopefully there'll be more controversy for our listeners in, in coming weeks yeah yeah I'm gonna disagree with you on purpose starting next episode but in terms of today I don't have anything else so 
yeah thanks for listening everyone um we're looking to improve and grow the podcast so if you have any feedback please let us know subscribe to us uh we're planning to upload every thursday so let us know if there's any guests you'd like us to have too um i'm sure we'll we'll bring in some people at some point during the season but if there's somebody you guys want to listen to and hear us talk to let us know yeah i think we're really fortunate to have to be connected with some really cool people so hopefully we can get people who you find interesting and yeah keep this interesting for you guys like ultimately we did just sit for an hour and uh talk in empty rooms about united so have to make it interesting for everyone else but anyway anyway thanks case yeah thank you Aaron. awesome and uh have a great week everyone and enjoy the opening weekend of the premier league i'm really excited